The ingredients for this episode are The Duke, Conquests, and Fernet Branca. I'm Andy Anderson, the mischievous maestro, and we're mixing up the perfect combination. Rigoletto is an opera in three acts by Giuseppe Verdi. The Italian libretto is based on the 1832 play Leroy Zamuse by Victor Hugo. Despite serious initial problems with the Austrian censors who had control over northern Italy theaters at the time, the opera had a triumphant premiere at La Fenice in Venice on March the 11th, 1851. Its tragic story revolves around the Duke of Mantua, his hunched back court jester Rigoletto, and Rigoletto's beautiful young daughter, Gilda. The opera's original title, La Maledizione, or The Curse, refers to a curse placed on both the Duke and Rigoletto by a member of the court whose daughter, the Duke, had seduced with Rigoletto's encouragement. The curse comes to fruition when Gilda falls in love with the Duke and sacrifices herself to save him from the assassin hired by her father. So, Duke, here in the high court of the mischievous maestro, the charges brought up against you are as follows. Adultery, libel, sexual exploitation, and abuse of power. How do you plead? We, the High Court of the Mischievous Maestro, find you guilty as charged. So, my friends, before we dive into that dark, lascivious world of the Duke, I think we need a cocktail to move forward. The drink we're going to have for this episode is called the Midnight Stinger, and it was the name that drew me to it. It's a new drink for me, but it's quickly becoming one of my favorites. One of the primary ingredients in this drink is called Fernet Branca, and Fernet is an herbal liqueur originating in Italy. It was originally formulated in Milan in 1845, and it is one of the best known of the Italian bitters. It was originally made by a self-taught herbalist, Bernardino Branca, and was marketed as a cure for cholera and for menstrual cramps. There are 27 different herbs and other secret ingredients in the formula. So eat your heart out, Colonel Sanders. He's got more herbs and secret ingredients than you do. So for this drink, you're going to need your bourbon, a bottle of Fernet Branca, some fresh squeezed lemon juice, and some simple syrup. So this is what you do. Start by putting some ice in your cocktail shaker. To that, add one ounce of bourbon, one ounce of the Fernet Branca, three quarters an ounce of lemon juice,
and three quarters an ounce of simple syrup. Put your lid on your shaker and give it a good shake. And strain it into a cocktail glass. Garnish it with a very thin lemon wheel. So there you go, my friends, the Midnight Stinger, the perfect cocktail to talk about the Duke. My father-in-law, Jan King, recently asked me if tenors ever play villains in opera. We always associate the tenor as the love interest or the hero, but very rarely do we see a tenor portrayed as a bad guy, unless, of course, he's a bad guy off stage in real life. And yes, those do exist. But the idea of a tenor playing villain on stage is rare. How ironic that I was asked this question before recording this episode. Timing is everything. The five-act play, Le Roy Zemmuse, or translated The King is Having Fun by Victor Hugo, is the model for the opera Rigoletto. When it was first performed in 1832, almost 20 years before the premiere of the opera Rigoletto, this play caused a political scandal in Paris and was banned after the first performance. Even 20 years later, Verdi and his librettists knew that the censors still regarded the material as problematic. To portray a king as a libertine and then to show a contract killer who was supposed to assassinate the king was a little too much for the Venetian and Austrian censorship. The libretto was written by Francesco Maria Piave, and it was he who was in charge of the contact with the censorship office, which led to occasional tensions with Verdi. They had to move the scenic location from Paris to Mantua, and the king was downgraded to a duke. Otherwise, Verdi and his librettists followed the model of the play fairly close. Though Rigoletto was originally based on French kings, Verdi was not without a historical model for a dirty Mantuan duke. There are a few possible candidates that history tells us, almost all of whom belong to the Gonzaga family. The most likely candidate is Vincenzo Gonzaga, who was the Duke of Mantua from 1562 to 1612. His father was a very frugal, puritanical hunchback 
But Vincenzo took a different path, spending vast sums of money on wine, horses, and music. His patronage to the composer Claudio Monteverdi should have endeared him to any opera lover, but his handling of the Mantuan court make comparisons with Rigoletto's Duke not too unfair. The Duke of Mantua, the character of whom he has no first name, is a philanderer that goes around holding wild parties, seducing young women of the court and his subjects' wives. He actually has a wife himself, but she rarely appears. He also makes a hobby out of publicly mocking the husbands of the women he is sleeping with. The opera's plot thickens when the angelic daughter of Regaletto, the Duke's jester, falls in love with the Duke. Go figure, don't sopranos always fall for the damn tenor? Nothing good can come of this, and by the end of the opera, you'll be wishing someone would put a blade in the forehead of the Duke. I'm sorry, my friends. Was that way too graphic for you? Well, it is opera. Heroic tenors aren't necessarily all that heroic, as seen in a school of villains to which folks like the Duke and, for Madame Butterfly, B.F. Pinkerton belong. However, while Pinkerton also consciously seduces and abandons Chocho-san, he does show some remorse when he returns a few years later for his son. He's more of an idiot, granted a despicable one at that. The Duke, though, he probably rivals Don Giovanni in his court conquests, all while married, and has those who argue with his romantic proclivities eliminated. For the Duke, no woman is too poor, too wealthy, too young, or too old. If they are beautiful and he wants them, he gets them. In his famous aria, La Donna Immobile, he seems to try and justify his actions as he flirts with a new potential conquest. He claims that women are fickle beings who like to play coy and pretend to hate or fear him when they really want him. Their emotions are just as unstable as their hearts, he declares, calling them out as temperamental beings. The melody of the song, however, and the notes sung, seem to indicate how tickled the Duke is. It's a surprising, happy-sounding song, rather careless and catchy, sounding joyous and yet casual. In short, the music, by its own terms, is catchy and sounds rather chipper and bright, but once you understand the lyrics and the context, you come to see it for what it really is, a disturbingly pompous case of ultimate misogyny. Translated, the lyrics are, Woman is fickle like a feather in the wind. She changes her voice and her mind. Always sweet, pretty face, in tears or in laughter, she is always lying. Always miserable is he who trusts her, 
he who confides in her, his unwary heart, yet one never feels fully happy, who on that bosom does not drink love. Woman is fickle like a feather in the wind. She changes her voice and her mind. Side note, while Verdi was composing, he wanted to keep this aria secret. So secret, in fact, that for the world premiere, only the tenor knew the music for this aria. Verdi knew that it would become a huge hit in Venice, and he didn't want the people of Venice out singing it and humming it before the world premiere. He wanted it to be a shock. So on the staging rehearsals, Verdi himself played the piano so that even the rehearsal pianist and the conductor had never heard this music before until just before opening night when the rest of the cast was introduced into the scene right before the curtain went up. Of course, Verdi was correct. It was an instant hit. And the next morning, all of the gondoliers in Venice were humming the tune while working. Aside from the famous aria La Donna Immobile, at the very beginning of the opera, we hear exactly how the Duke feels about women and his constant pursuit of, quote, the pleasures of the flesh. His opening aria, another barn burner, Questa Oquella, goes like this. This girl or that girl are equal to all the others I see around me. The core of my being I will not yield to one beauty or another. Their attractiveness is what they are gifted from fate and embellishes life. Perhaps today this girl welcomes me, perhaps tomorrow another girl will demand me. Constancy is a tyrant to the heart, and it is a hatred-cruel disease to only those who want you to be faithful. There can be no love if there is no freedom. Husbands jealous rage, lovers woes I despise. I defy the hundred eyes of Argo if I fancy a few beauties.
So, there you go, my friends. A truly evil tenor who uses women to feed his never-ending appetite for lust. Also, just as a side note, if you happen to be a hunchback with a beautiful daughter, and she happens to be secretly in love with a tenor, lock her up and throw away the key. It's either that, or she'll end up in a body bag. Friends, just as a reminder, feel free to reach out. Our email address is themischievousmaestro at gmail.com. If you have any questions or just want to tell us that you're listening to the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email. We look forward to hearing from you soon. In our next episode, the High Court of the Mischievous Maestro will be hearing the case against opera's murderous mistress, Lulu, from Alban Berg's thrilling masterpiece, Lulu. Until then, continue to stay safe, my friends, and as always, stay thirsty for knowledge. The Mischievous Maestro podcast was researched and written by me, Andy Anderson. Recording engineer and co-producer is Ryan Hall. Art director and co-producer is Jefferson Reidenauer. Very personal assistant to the Mischievous Maestro and co-producer is Megan King. Production assistant, co-producer, and all-around great guy is Yvonne Kahnem. Publicist for Andy Anderson is Jonathan Blaylock. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite platform to get all of the upcoming episodes with exciting drinks. To learn more about The Mischievous Maestro and for the drink recipes, don't forget to visit our website, themischievousmaestro.com, and follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Mischievous Maestro is so much more than a podcast, it's a lifestyle. And I would like to remind you to please drink responsibly. If you're not old enough, don't do it. And if you are old enough, do it in moderation. And if you're having a bad day and refuse to drink in moderation, then please follow these simple rules for overindulgence. Don't drink and drive. Please don't drink too much and then email your boss asking for a raise. And please, for all that's holy in the world, don't drink too much and then drunk text your ex at 3 a.m. This podcast is the sole property of the mischievous maestro and may not be used in whole or in any part without the expressed written permission of Andy Anderson.